The splendors and miseries of an old Bailey hack. Some cases of Horace Rumpo, barrister at law, as told to and written down by John Mortimer, with Maurice Denham as Rumpole and Margot Boyd as Hilda. Rumpole and the Fascist Beast. In their own homes, ladies and gentlemen, not in ours. We want the African Piccadilly to be happy under the skies of Africa. We want the Indian to have equal opportunity in Delhi and Calcutta. And we want the native Englishman, my friends, to be able to walk the streets of Acton and Brixton and Lewisham without fear of assault by armed bands of black women. My friends, I am often asked, what is the answer to the terrible problems that face this old country of ours? I say this to you, my friends. The answer is blood. Britain first party rally in Brixton ran the headlines in the Times next day. Clashes with the new socialists, a candidate arrested. The news was bad. We seemed to have been whisked back to the 30s, the bad old days. I knew what was going to happen next. Gas masks, call-up, dried eggs, Dame Vera Lynn, J.B. Priestley on the wireless, the RAF Crown Staff. Oh, surely I was too old for the RAF Crown Staff. But in the course of time there came about not the return of World War II, but another case for Rumpole and the arrival of a new face in our nest of barristers at Equity Court in the temple. Is this Mr. Rumpole's chambers? Yes. You want Rumpole? My name is Khan. Henry! Uh, Lutuf Ali Khan. I'm Mr. Rumpole's new pupil. Oh, Philly, uh, we must grab a sandwich in Pomeroy's tonight. The opera begins at 7.30. Oh, yeah. righto. Yes, I'll keep Mr. Featherson um, free from his car. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, what's the name in terms of a thousand? Deal with the mail. Oh, just uh, uh, Mr. Khan, Mr. Rumpole's in an urgent conference just now. But Mr. Horace Rumpole told me to be here at 9.30 on the dock, no matter what happened. 700, could I? Yeah, Oh, how thrilling. This is thrilling to have a chance of pupillage in the chambers of Horace Rumpole, the legend of the criminal bar of England. I expect to pick up hundreds of red-hot tips from the whole lot of you. Well, we'll do our best to help. Thank you. You are on the secretarial side? Um, Miss Philida Trant is a very rising young barrister. Oh, gosh. Mr. Rumpole? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is Mr. Khan to see you? Ah, oh, yes, I'll bring him along. Uh, the great fraternity of the bar truly it embraces all sorts of conditions of men. Uh, and women also. Uh, just come this way, will you, Mr. Khan? Yes. Ludolf Khan's arrival produced varied reactions among the members of our chambers. Well, I don't see very clearly. It gets so dark in the mornings, but was that fellow some sort of baboo? Um, Indian, I'd say, Uncle Tom. <sighs> I suppose you'll pick our brains here and then go out and become Prime Minister of somewhere. Do very nicely out of it. What on earth does Rumpel think he's up to? What do you mean, Claude? Well, taking a pupil without going through the pupilage committee. You mean taking that pupil, don't you? <laughs> Philly, for all I know, whatever his name is, Khan, may be a perfectly sound fellow. 
But... But? But... <laughs> Philly, what I mean is... I know perfectly well what you mean. Uh, uh, don't forget Balloween mascara. Stuff the mask, ball! Being in the middle of a difficult conference, I was delighted to see my new pupil. Khan, my dear fellow, you come warmly recommended from the inn, an apt pupil. <laughs> Ready to start work, are you? As soon as you say so, Mr. Horace Rampur. Mm. I am mustard keen, I must say. Ah, that's the ticket. Now, this is the clown, Mr... No, oh, no, sorry, Captain, Captain Rex Parkin. And young Simmons, our instructing student, are my new pupil. Uh, Lutfali Khan, at your service, Captain. Mm, yes, well, why not sit down here, dear boy, learn to take notes. I never have. I would like to stress, Mr. Rumpole, this is a confidential matter. Oh, don't mind Khan. It's the only thing to do with pupils. Throw them into the deep end. <laughs> you know what we have here, Khan? Yes. Now a nasty charge under the Race Relations Act. Now, let's see what I know about our client. Captain Rex Parkin, ex-pay corps... Uh, served overseas? I served my country as best I could, given oh. my medical condition. Oh, yes, flat feet. Captain Rex Parkin was a middle-aged, humorless man who wore a neat blue suit, a pay-cor tie, a sparse, sandy moustache, and the expression of someone prepared to die for his cause. I went on reading his statement. Flat feet? Oh, don't worry. I was in the RAF ground staff. We both avoided the temptations of heroism. Uh, worked after demobilization, selling worldwide encyclopedia. Married for 25 years to Mavis Parkin. Owns his own bungalow. Mandalay, Durbar Lane, Bexley Heath. Employed since 1958 as a clerk in the southeast area, gas ward. Uh, Captain Parkin wishes it to be known that he is absolutely sincere. Ah, yes, but unfortunately that isn't a defence in law. I've known quite a number of very genuine robbers. They sincerely wanted to be rich. <laughs> uh, when you look at the depositions, they've really got very little against you. Some extremely ill-chosen words. It could be ambiguous. The answer is blood. Mr. Rumpole, on the question of sentence... Mm. Uh, sorry? You want to know what you might be in for? The maximum, if you please, sir. Two years' imprisonment, or a fine, or both. Section 6 of the 1978 Act. <laughs> and still they gazed, and still the wonder grew that one small head could carry all he knew. You see what a huge advantage a pupil is, Captain? Well, now you know the worst. I want you to ask for it. What? I intend in the trial, sir, to behave as Gandhi did before the district magistrate in Ahmedabad. I intend to argue for the maximum sentence. Excuse me, Captain, but wasn't the Mahatma a foreign extraction? One can learn at times, sir, from the enemy. Mr. Gandhi asked for life imprisonment. It was the best way he could serve his cause as a martyr. Well, I suppose I have a cause, too, of a sort. I defend people. I don't think I could ask a judge to send a client of mine to prison. It's against my religion. Then, sir, I'm... I'm wasting your time. I'll conduct my own case. I presume I'm entitled to do that. Oh, it's a free world for the moment. But Captain Parkin... He's a fool, Mr. Rumpole, if he won't take your advice. Which is a fair entirely. Our prison system's open to all, old darling, regardless of creed or colour.
We've called in on you in your own home, Rex. As uh, representing the committee of the Britain First Party, the South Eastern Division. We want you to fight this case tooth and nail, Rex. The only way that I can serve the cause is as a martyr. <laughs> the cause doesn't want you in jail, Rex. The cause needs you for the election. We got you a good criminal lawyer, Rex. Uh, Mr Rumpole appeared to have no sympathy with our beliefs. And he has an immigrant pupil. Oh, very cunning, that. Show the jury we're not racialist. Coffee, everyone? Oh, thank you. You want him to fight this case, don't you, Mrs Parkin? Fight the case? That's up to the captain. Sugar, Mr Walsley? Uh, no, thank you, dear. <laughs> I'm sweet enough already. <laughs> the leader has let it be known privately. He wants this case fought all the way. So that it has the force of an order? <laughs> well, you can put it like that, Rex. Then, naturally, I shall do my best to carry out the leader's orders. To the letter. A fine old English gentleman, our Rex. Oh, yes. One of the old school, our Captain Parkin. I'm quite with it, would you say? Not quite up to the needs of the times. I'm quite up to the position of chairman of the South East Area Party. Rex Parkin's got a good deal of support all the same with the rank and fire. Among the thicks. Oh. I can see him losing that if he manages to wriggle out of this charge with the help of some clever dick liberal lawyer. How would that be seen, Sidney, among the thicks? It would be seen as deserting his post when under fire. It would be seen as bloody yellow behaviour, if you want to know the truth, Clifford. Mm, I suppose that could lead to a vacancy as chairman of the southeast area. A power vacuum, would you call it? A vacuum that you are highly qualified to fill, Cliff Worsley. The evening came when I took Mr Khan home to meet my wife Hilda and her roast. She who must be obeyed didn't actually scream or send for the police when she clapped eyes on my pupil, but she looked severely shaken, and the atmosphere around the festive board was somewhat tense. <coughs> oh, I, I forgot, Mr. Khan. Uh, can you eat beef? Oh, of course he can, Hilda. What do you think? He'd be afraid it was a reincarnation of his grandmother. <laughs> no, don't worry, dear boy. We got it at the supermarket. Roast beef of old England. Perfectly fine. Suits me down to the ground. Mm, good. Some wine. Oh, no, 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 thank you. Huh? Oh, come along. If you're starting a career at the bar, we've got to introduce you to the delights of Chateau Fleet Street. <laughs> well, if you insist, Mr. Rumpel, just a sniff time. Oh. Mm. Ah. <laughs> It's very hot in here, Hilda. You've turned the place into a hot house at Kew. Uh, don't you find England very cold, Mr. Khan? No, I assure you. It is much colder in the Punjab in winter. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't your Auntie Fran in the Punjab, Hilda? Oh, that was in the old days. The British Raj, you know. Mm. All gone now, eh, Khan? Much to the regret of our client, Captain Parkin. <laughs> Lo, all the pomp of yesterday is one with Nineveh and Tyre, uh, Kipling. Of course. <laughs> My uncle was district railway officer. Yes. Percy Whiston, I, I wonder if you ever met him. Uh, rather before my time, uh, I'm afraid, Mrs. Rumpole. Oh. All the same, we had some sensible fellows in the government then. Not these silly asses we get today. Oh. Oh, do you really think so? <laughs> but they are your own silly asses, isn't that the point? Oh, yes, but they make us blush sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's your future at the bar. 
how can I go wrong with such a distinguished teacher as Mr. Horace Rumpole? Oh. A distinguished teacher? Oh, gosh, yes, Mrs. Rumpole. Your husband's bound to end up seated on bench, at least at circuit judge level. Rumpole, do you hear that? No, never, never in a million years. I have been thinking, if you would take a bit of prosecution work, Mr. Rumpole, <laughs> That seems to be the path to the bench nowadays. Mr. Khan, that's exactly what I'm always telling him. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't fancy the idea of people locked up with their chamber pots. Oh, Not dear. for years on end, anyway. I wouldn't like to cross-examine them into it, and I don't want to sentence them to it, either. You know, Mrs. Rumpole, I don't entirely agree with my learned pupil master. Oh, Really? There are two dreadful Pakistani students in my digs, and I can swear oh. they stole my transistor radio. Oh. I'd send them inside double quick. <laughs> oh, Mr. Oh. Khan. Oh, dear. What? I've forgotten the horseradish sauce. <laughs> Silly me. Just wait that minute. Oh, it's all right, Hilda. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> well, Khan, life at the bar will hold no further terrors for you. What do you mean, Mr. Rumpole? Well, the law chief, the court of appeal, the house of lords, the Uxbridge magistrates. They'll all be child's play, like shooting fish in a water butt. Now you've dealt with the Ayatollah in so masterly a fashion. With the Ayatollah? With my wife. Oh. She who must be obeyed. <laughs> I honestly think Mrs. Rumpole has a point, though, sir. You should think in terms of a judgeship in the years to come. Be a judge? Never in a million years. Miss mm. Philida Tratt, the Porsche of our chambers. Hello, Rumpel. Are you prosecuting me in the race relations case? That's right. Uh, What's our judge like? Jimmy Jameson. Oh, I was at school with him. Oh. Linklaters, a wind-blasted penal colony on the Norfolk coast, where 13-year-olds fought for the radiators, tried to hide the lumpy porridge and let us from home. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy was a small, trembling child from Scotland, wore a chest protector, was incredibly mean about his tack. Well, let's hope he's tough enough to enforce the Race Relations Act. Mm. Really, you of all people, defending a fascist beast, Rumpole. Why me of all people? I'm a follower of Monsieur Alloway. Voltaire. Yes, I disagree with everything you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Now, this broken window of the grocer's shop, Inspector. Yes? You have no way of knowing if the perpetrator of that act had heard my client's oration, had you? No, sir. It might have been done by anyone at all. Yes, it might. A destructive schoolboy. Let us hope he was not at Linklater's, Mr. Rumpole. If your lordship pleases. Well? Perhaps. Now, you say my client said something about blood. Yes. The answer is blood. I couldn't hear all that clearly. Ah, exactly. The rival factions were yelling their heads off. So he might have said, the answer is in the blood. Oh, really, if my learned friend thinks there is any difference... Let me the... instruct my learned friend. If he said the answer is the blood, it might well be an incitement to violence. I'm glad my learned friend at least appreciates the point of the prosecution But policy. if he said the answer is in the blood, he was merely referring to some supposed difference in racial characteristics... And the remark was quite innocuous. There is a clear distinction, is there not, Miss Trent? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, let me introduce you to a dreamer. Now, he doesn't dream of money or women. He dreams of the ancient days of the British Raj. Captain Rex Parkin. 
It's true he's an ex-captain of the pay corps. True that he's never been further east, as far as I know, than a day trip to Boulogne. The closest he's got to India is the weekly night out he has with his memsahab, Mrs. Mavis Parkin, in the Star of Asia Curry House in Bexley. <laughs> but Captain Rex Parkin, dreaming away amongst his old bound copies of the boy's own paper, fancies himself as an officer of the British Raj. The Union Jack flies daily over his bungalow, Mandalay, number 12, Durbar Lane, and is solemnly lowered every evening at sunset. Hardly appropriate dreams, are they, for 1978? When you could hardly call out the Bengal Lancers to subdue a spot of trouble on the Ealing Frontier, or ride out by elephant to accept the surrender of the Maharaja of Muswell Hill. The jury were laughing, which was exactly my intention. But when I glanced at my client, Captain Rex Parkin, in the dock, he was glowering furiously and might, if it hadn't been for his pronounced sense of discipline, have risen to protest. I swept on hurriedly with my closing speech. Is this a free country, members of the jury? Is this a country where Captain Parkin and other eccentrics can flourish in all their dottiness? I may not agree with Captain Parkin's words... It's very easy to believe in free speech for those we agree with. But someone, a wise Frenchman, once gave us the answer. I disagree with everything you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. What the defendant is alleged to have said, members of the jury, is that most of us are happier in our own homes. You may have heard the old saying... My heart's in the highlands, my home isn't here. I myself am a native of another country, members of the jury. I was born in Kirkubrisha. Often I have said in the bustle of London's traffic, I long for the peace of the little village I came from and where I hope in my retirement to return. I don't suppose I'd be in the least upset if anyone said that about me. Nor would I take offence if he said I have different blood in my veins. The blood of the clan Jameson of the Glen. I, I don't think I can help you any further, ladies and gentlemen. You, you will go out and consider your verdict. Do you find Reginald Maxwell Parkin guilty or not guilty? Not guilty, my lord. Shame! And there is the verdict of you all. It is, my lord. Very well. The defendant may be discharged, with a word of warning. Just be careful how you express your views in public. They may be misunderstood. I will rise now. Captain Parkin looked at me with his strangely colourless eyes, standing like a ramrod in his parody of a military bearing, and said something to me which I shall not quickly forget. May God forgive you, Mr. Rumpole. I certainly shan't. Silence, please, gentlemen, for Clifford Worsley. In a pitiful attempt to save his own skin, Rex Parkin showed the yellow streak, gentlemen. He allowed his barrister, in a so-called court of law, to pour scorn on the party, to make us a laughing stock at the Old Bailey and in the national press. Therefore, I beg to move, Sydney, as deputy chairman 
And gentlemen, let Rex Parkin, having proved himself unworthy of the high office we have entrusted to him, be removed as chairman of the South East Area Party. And I beg to propose Clifford Worsley for the chair. Does any gentleman second? No, I second. Have you anything to say, Rex? No. No. Nothing to say. Will all those in favour please indicate in the usual manner? Carried by an overwhelming majority. Meeting over, Rex? Yes, dear. The meeting's over. Did they all congratulate you on winning the case? Not exactly. Want a coffee, Rex? Not now, dear. I'm just going upstairs. We were all together for a chambers meeting when Miss Trant, our Porsche, congratulated me. That was a remarkable win you had, Rumpole, in our race relations case. Well, not a complete triumph. There's a motion before Parliament to censure the judge, and my client shot himself. What? Uh, may I have your attention? Oh, sorry, Governor. The uh, departure of George Frobisher to the circuit court bench has left something of a gap in Chambers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, clearly, we need a new tenant. Clearly. What do we need? A new tenant, Uncle Tom. Uh, Askin Brown will remind us of the candidates. There seem to be two main contenders. Yes. Well, we have had an application from Owen Glendower Jones. Mm. Oh. He wants to move up to London. He has a very sound practice in Wales. Apparently, he'll bring us a large number of Welsh solicitors. That's what I'm afraid of. Not really, Rumpole. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot about the Race Relations Act. And the right. other candidate is Rumpole's pupil, Lutuf Khan. Ah, yes. Well, uh, who, look, uh, well, this Khan chappie does represent something of a special case. Oh, yes. I was a special case, wasn't I? Philip, please. No one wanted a woman. Had this extraordinary difficulty getting hold of the key of the loo. <laughs> And Henry had to go through the embarrassment of explaining that the barrister he was sending out to the Hendon County Court might turn out to be a woman. Oh, now he'll have to explain that he's a... Oh, well, what do you want me to say? Tinted gentleman. Mm. Doesn't matter how good we are, we start out with a built-in handicap, and that's what you mean by a special case, isn't As it? As a matter of fact, what I meant was, we are under a good deal of pressure from the Bar Council. I also happen to know the views of the Lord Chancellor's office. Keith's tremendously keen on places being found in chambers for um, overseas applicants. Well, I wouldn't, speaking for myself, be influenced by the wishes of the Bar Council or even the Lord Chancellor's office. I'm sure you wouldn't. I have given a certain amount of paperwork to Khan, hmm? and I did happen to be in Bow Street waiting when I heard him do a prosecution. In my opinion, Ludov Khan would make a useful and hard-working member of chambers. Well, thank you, Claude. Ah, thank you, Askit Ryan. Yes, thanks for your contribution. Well, now, uh, suppose we take a vote. Mm. All those in favour of the candidacy of uh, Owen Glendower-Jones? Is that the darky? No, Uncle Tom. Oh, my dear fellow, my dear Khan, I think I have some good news for you at last. Ah! We've just had a discussion of your candidacy for a seat in Chambers. Yes? And I'm delighted to tell you... You're in? No! <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult to believe, eh? <laughs> the, the, 
The truth is, oh gosh, I don't want to offend Mr. Featherstone, and I have enjoyed it here. Mm. Uh, but no. No, I don't want to stay in these chambers. You don't what? I am more interested in prosecuting, Mr. Rumpole. <laughs> As you know, I am most keen to see that some of these terrible fellows get their comeuppance. Yes, but, Khan, you can get prosecution briefs here. I don't do them. Careless driving, Mr. Rumpole. Take and drive away. Small potatoes. I'm after the bigger fish. Oh, yes. And where exactly are you going to put down your nets? I'm offered a place in the Treasury Council's chambers. We have a direct line there to the Director of Public Prosecutions. With great respect, it doesn't seem to me that you fellows have too much contact with, with the powers that be. Huh? I'm sorry, Mr. Rumpole. I have admired your way of doing cases. It's your technique to laugh at them, isn't it? I suppose that's what Captain Rex Parkin found a bit too much to bear. I wouldn't have thought you'd feel that Captain Parkin was a great loss to society. It is what is coming after him. That's what makes me feel so nervous. Hmm. Well, it's your decision, Khan. You must do exactly what you think best. But you've got it quite wrong if you think this chambers has no connection with the powers that be. Now, I have a letter here. An invitation to the Lord Chancellor's office. Mm -hmm. A little chat with old Keith. Must mean they're going to offer me a circuit judgeship. But you'd never accept that. Of course I wouldn't. Poor old George Frobisher. I really pitied him. It's a lousy job being a judge. No friends, no real mates, no companionable jars at the end of the day in Pomeroy's wine bar. Anyway, who wants to judge people? What can you say? You will go to prison for two years, and but for the grace of God, Horace Rumpel goes with you. All the same, I suppose I might have a bit of fun on the circuit bench. Casting doubt on the police evidence, keeping poor blighters out of prison. And there's the pension, of course. The pension might come in very useful. Yes, it might be a bit of fun to accept a circuit judgeship. I've been thinking it over most carefully, Keith. No, I, I got a light. Oh, yeah. thank you. Hmm. Thank you. And I'm not totally opposed to the suggestion. Oh, good. That's very good. Uh, Judge Jameson said you might be interested. He said that? Yes. <laughs> oh, pity about Jimmy. Pity he put his foot in it. Mm. Well, one does have to be rather careful what one says on the bench. <laughs> I'm so glad you agree. <laughs> no, I, I've thought a lot about it, but... Well, the fact is I get rather tired these days. Mm. Not quite so young as I was, of course. <laughs> mm. Slogging from the sessions to the Bailey and out to Chelmsford. Yes. Plays hell with the back. Uh, well, and I hope you'll have time for this job. Mm. Well, of course. Ten till four, no homework. It's wonderful. <laughs> well, it shouldn't take as long as that. What won't? <laughs> well, this little job I have in mind. Uh, uh, let me explain. Well, of course, I can get used to it. Oh, I'm sure you can. <laughs> After all, you were at Linklater's, weren't you? Yeah. What is that a qualification? Well, didn't Jimmy Jameson make it clear? We wanted you to take over as secretary of the old Linklaters at the Bar Society, the OLBS. Uh, we dine once a year, you know, in, in the uh, in the Connaught Rooms. Oh, 
come on, Rumpel. <laughs> we all members of school have got to stick together. <laughs> so that's what he wanted to see me about. <laughs> I'm not going to be a judge after all. <laughs> <laughs> That was Maurice Denham as Rumpole and Margot Boyd as Hilda in The Fascist Beast. Judge Jameson was played by John Bott, Uncle Tom, Patrick Barr, Guthrie Featherston, Michael Spice, Erskine Brown, Brian Carroll, Miss Trant, Amanda Murray, Henry, Hayden Wood, Simmons, Anthony Hyde, Lutuf Khan, Saeed Jaffrey, Mr Keith, Lockwood West, Clifford Worsley, Gordon Reed, Sidney Cox, Sean Probert, Mavis Parkin, Peggy Page, Inspector Leonard Fenton, and Captain Rex Parkin, Jack May. Rumpole and the Fascist Beast was written by John Mortimer and directed by Ian Cottrell.